2: Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.
3: Meg Swanek, everyone's favorite U.S. soccer reporter, is back on the channel. It's been a while, Meg. How are you doing?
4: I'm good, Jake. How are you?
3: Yeah, doing really good. I'm excited. We're only 17 days away from the next U.S. men's national team game. Feels like forever ago since we were able to qualify for the World Cup, so... I'm personally just excited to have games again but um, now they matter now they matter a lot going into the world cup but before we jump into everything like how are you feeling about this june window
4: i'm excited for it i mean like you said on the one hand qualifying feels like a really long time ago but i also think the time has elapsed really quickly and it feels like we're already in the phase where we really need to be buckling down and figuring a few things out um so i'm excited to get back to the opportunity to be working that out with the team and kind of observing whatever it is Greg has planned for us.
3: So let's dive into that then. So if we don't have that many games until our first World Cup match, what is the most important thing for the US team to be thinking about going into these games? We have um, exhibition matches against Morocco and Uruguay, and then a Nations League against Granada. So what what should we be thinking about the most? Is it ingraining our kind of starting 11 or top 15 players? Is it bringing new players in that can make an impact in the World Cup? What do you think the most important piece is?
4: Well, it's going to be a combination of things, I think. I mean, I think we have a pretty good base foundation of the players we know are locked into their starting positions and knock on wood, uh, they stay healthy you know, we're having, I think, injuries are going to be a big question about those locked in starting positions and a lot of those players. But I do think that we have a few positions where there's big questions remaining. Um, And I think that for for Greg in the roster of people that he's going to call in, he, first of all, I would like to see, and I expect that he will actually um, call in some people who we might not have seen that much of in World Cup qualifying, who might be able to work well in the system and kind of enter the scene. Um, I think we need that in a few positions. I think we'll see that in June and and kind of see some, some rehearsals a little bit for some positions, but for the most part, I think it's going to be about um, refining what we've been doing over world cup qualifying, figuring out those few key positions where we don't have it to um, figure it out just yet. And then yeah. Calling in people who might be hot at the minute with their club and seeing if um, they have what it takes to get, called in in September and then in November.
3: Yeah, I mean, there are definitely more well-known positions that are somewhat up in the air for the US. I mean, just because of some of the performances so far, Zach Steffen versus Matt Turner is one, the number nine is probably going to Jesus Ferreira, but there's still a lot of time for someone else to come in. Maybe someone like Haji Wright can be a really impactful player during this camp, but are there any other positions that we're not necessarily considering because the number nine and the goalkeeper has been up in the air for so long.
4: Yeah. Well, I think this was something I had been thinking about. I've been saying this since at least the last window, but then Miles Robinson's injury made it even more of a a central focus. And that's the center back position. I think that's also something that beyond, beyond really just Walker Zimmerman at this point, I, I think, you know, there's players who will likely be called in, Chris Richards in particular, I think, behind Zimmerman, who's going to get called into the roster, whether or not he's starting next to Zimmerman, who I expect will likely start. Again, there's a lot of time. Um, but yeah, I think the center back position is something that there's a big question mark next to in my head.
3: Brought to you by our partners at Bet Online. they continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casinos and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code Believe. that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. And I know we we have it on good authority that Cameron Carter-Vickers is going to be called into this camp. We know Chris Richards is getting back to health and has been sent back to Bayern Munich. We'll see what happens with him in the summer. What is your take? Like, how, how are you feeling about that center back position? Miles Robinson is someone that spent basically the last 12 months working himself into the starting 11 and being the number one name on the depth chart. So... If Walker Zimmerman is is now the next step, who is that next center back for us?
4: Well, I think like a lot of things, unfortunately, it's going to come down to health and returning to health and what their form looks like when they're back. Um, So even out, I'm not even talking about Miles Robinson, who I'm not sure he'll be back healthy in time for the World Cup. If he is and he pulls off the recovery timeline that I assume we're all hoping for him. Um, it might even it, it, who knows if he even if he's ready to play, he might not be ready to play in a World Cup by November. But outside of Miles Robinson, I mean, like you said, Chris Richards, we're expecting him to be healthy, um, maybe for, for playing in June. But, I, you know, I think we need to see how he's doing as well. But I would personally I'm a big fan of Chris Richards. I've been wanting to see Chris Richards getting more playing time and getting worked into our starting lineup for a while now. Um, so he he comes first to mind, definitely, for me, depending on how he's doing once he's back playing. Um, outside of Chris Richards, I mean, there's a list, a pretty long list of maybe center backs. CCB is, of course, one of them. We haven't seen him since 2019 um, with the U.S. men's national team. There's a lot that he brings to the table. There's a lot that I think is what we already have, to be honest. So I think it'll be interesting to see what he looks like when he comes in. Um, Outside of that, I mean, Mark McKenzie, you know, I think you also at one point covered the Philadelphia Union or have watched the Philadelphia Mm. Union. So, um, you know, I still have, uh, you know, high respect for what he did with the union and he's really worked his way into the system in Belgium, which I respect. But I don't know if that's always translated to the national team. So I think it'll be interesting to see if he is a depth option or not. Um outside of that, I mean, Eric Palmer Brown, who was just brought back into the picture in that last window in March is one. Aaron Long, of course, who also just picked up, I think, a small injury, but not anything long lasting. Um, yeah, so CCV, Long, Eric Palmer Brown. Um, I think those are going to be people that are auditioning and Mark McKenzie auditioning for those depth positions behind Chris Richards and Walker Zimmerman for me.
3: Yeah. When I was covering the union, it was Mark McKenzie and Austin Trusty who were
4: a great
3: young pairing. Yeah, it was awesome to see. So one name you didn't mention is John Brooks. And interestingly, before Miles Robinson had gotten his Achilles injury, Greg had said John will likely not be in this camp because he knows what John can bring. He doesn't need to see more of John Brooks to know what he can bring to this team. With the injury to Miles Robinson, is there any chance that that opens up the door again for John Brooks to come into this team?
4: Unfortunately, I don't think so. And, you know, never say never, but it seems pretty clear to me that John Brooks is pretty much off of Greg Berhalter's USMNT roster. He's another one who I really like. I think he brings a unique contribution both on the field and off of the field. We only have so many people, they, they're always talking about how young this team is, and I think there's a lot of value in having a young team, but I do think you need a balance, and we only have so many people with World Cup experience, or just life experience and playing experience. It is a really young team, so he brings something off the field too, I think. I think it's a shame, but I don't expect to see John Brooks um, yeah. in Greg's roster.
3: I mean, if we're looking for players that are active and have World Cup goals for the U.S., it's basically John Brooks and Julian Green right now. And right. Julian Green has been dropped by Firth for Timothy Tillman, another American dual national that hasn't mm-hmm. necessarily been part of the team. So, yes, there's not much experience in the World Cup that we're going to be building into the team. And and who knows what that will mean to the to the effects of our starting 11 and our players and the squad that that goes to the World Cup. So are there going to be other players in the same bucket as CCV uh, that are going to be part of this camp? So someone like Georgi Mahalovich, who is really hot in the MLS, even maybe Jeremy Ebobise was joint top scorer before Jesus Ferreira had a brace um, last night. So are there any other names like that that we should be expecting to come into this camp or any names that you think could make an impact given five or six months of development for the U.S.?
4: Well, I think we will see Mikhailovich. I'd like to see him. I think we will see him. I think he's someone that definitely needs to be brought in. I think he can play a few different positions where we might need some depth options. And, you know, like you mentioned, he's, he's pretty hot in MLS right now. He's scoring a lot. He's able to finish, Um I think Haji Wright is someone who a lot of people are calling for with due reason. And I think that he, and I mean, you mentioned it already, but the striker position is something that likely Jesus Ferreira might have a claim to at the moment. Um, I think Ricardo Pepe will be going to the world cup as, as well. You know, anything can happen, but I'm willing to say that those two are, are kind of definites beyond that In terms of that striker position, I think that, um, you know, I'd like to see Jordan Piefock get called in. I'd like to see Haji Wright get called in. I'd like to see anybody who's performing well at that position called in this June to see how they're doing um, and give them a game or give them um, time in practice with the team to see if they're able to work into the system. In terms of other people who might have uh, the ability to develop toward really performing in Qatar from now until then who we haven't seen yet, I think maybe the most immediate person who comes to mind is Stefan Fry in the goalkeeper position. And I don't know that we need to go out into someone who's not even been in World Cup qualifying to find the quote unquote answer to the goalkeeper question. But I think he could be an interesting person to bring in in June to see what that looks like and give him a shot. I think you know, I really am a big fan of Gaga Slonina. I'm kind of on the fence about whether he should be called in in June. I wouldn't be against it, but I don't know if we really need to make that happen. Um, outside of that, I think we might really need to just be sticking to people who've been there before, who were there in one window um, and 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 stick to that. Yeah, so I would yeah. say right? Mihailovich, maybe Fry, maybe Slonina.
3: I'm curious why you think Ricardo Pepe will be part of the World Cup roster, even if he's, I, I assume, like, that's on the worst case scenario that he's still not performing at Augsburg at the yeah. beginning of next season. So, like, what what's behind that thought process of having Ricardo Pepe be a part of the World Cup?
4: Well, I think that he is at least from what Greg has said and what I've, but what what Greg's decisions indicate, I think uh, Pepe is a part of long-term plans. I think he's young. I think when Greg talks about him, he talks about the long-term development of this team, um, building this team for the future. And he talks a lot um, about Pepe. And I think he's still impressed by Pepe in practice. He's in, impressed by what he can do long-term. I think he has faith in what Pepe has done in going abroad to Bundesliga to try and work into But turns out to maybe not have been uh, the best move for him, potentially. I have mixed feelings on his move. I don't think it's all bad, personally. I don't know that it was a mistake to go to Augsburg. But, um, yeah, I I would say the biggest overarching reason I say that is I think Pepe is part of Greg's long-term plans. And whether or not he's playing or starting, I think he wants him at the World Cup and in that roster. And that being said, I mean, we could see Pepe return to form by the World Cup. And, you know, I imagine that he is working hard. I don't know what the summer window holds for him, whether he's gonna move somewhere else, where he's gonna be able to um, get the confidence, I think, which is a big part of, I think, what he needs. But yeah, I think long-term plans, Pepe's in it.
3: I'm with you. It's way too early to decide if that was a good or bad move for Carlo Pepe. I mean, 18 years old, moving to Germany, A lot of people don't remember that at the time of the move, Germany was essentially still in a full lockdown. Uh, Mm -hmm. So moving to a new country, new language, new team, you're 18 years old. I would personally like to see what happens after he gets a full offseason with his team to be able to start performing. And then we can judge and assess what that looked like for the transfer process.
4: Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's a lot of intangibles about what's good for a player and going abroad, even if it's not immediately um, perceivable on the field. And then, you know how many times ta- it's it's not uncommon to see someone struggle their first year after a big transfer like that. And it takes kind of that second year to really hit their groove and um, make their mark in the system and working with the coach. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he stays there and the second year is a different story.
3: Yeah. So with limited games left and the June window kind of this first practice phase for us getting ready for the World Cup, What does success look like for you, for this U.S. team, going into these three games?
4: For the June window, I think um, success looks like figuring out those key positions. So it looks like Greg trialing different people at the striker in the goal um, in the center back position and getting to a place where we feel somewhat more confident about what we're going to trot out come November in the starting lineup, but also in those depth positions which are gonna be important. Um, so who's filling in behind those starting um, center backs or striker. So I think success in large part looks like figuring out those roster positions, but also it looks like figuring out how to break tank down teams more effectively and, and you know taking these opponents who might look like some of the people we'll see in Qatar and um, effectively playing against them and answering some questions we didn't answer frankly during World Cup qualifying.
3: Yeah. How do you feel about these opponents? So Morocco and mm-hmm. Uruguay, it looks like the rosters, at least that Uruguay is going to take on, has Cavani, Suarez, Betancourt. Successful. What does that look like for you?
4: I think we need to perform well. Do we need to win? I mean, that would be that would be nice. I could see me feeling some modicum of success if we don't. <laughs> I mean, if, if we're playing and it's like 6-0 because our backline and goalkeeper position is so dire that we can't stop the striking talent that they have. I mean, that's not exactly going to make us feel good. Um, I think that in terms of the teams we're playing, I think they offer a pretty solid mix of different styles and different threats in terms of what we're going to see when they come out onto the field and what we need to focus on when we're playing them. So I like I like the spread of different types of teams that we're going to see. And in terms of how we perform against them, I think they offer different opportunities to test different areas of the field, whether that's, can we break them down or can we stop um, someone like Suarez or Edinson Cavani, kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, we'll know a lot by the end of June about how we're doing. And I think the opponents are kind of, uh, well-picked, for the most part. Um, and it's exciting that they're going to be bringing in their first team talent. I think that was a big question I had about, um, you know, the value of playing these teams is who are they are going to bring in. But um, do we need to win f- to feel successful? I-, I would say we need to at least draw, I think, uh, to feel like we're going to be able to do well in the group. But, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a good test uh, is what I would say overall.
3: Yeah. So as a reporter and someone that's traveled with the team, getting a closer view than most fans, what are your opinions of Berhalter as a coach and his relationship with the players?
4: Greg, I think he has a good relationship with the players. I mean, I don't, I I think I've talked a little bit about this before and it's my opinion there is probably just the same in that I don't think the players are necessarily ready to run through a brick wall for him. I don't think it's that type of relationship. Um, I do think that they respect him for the most part. You know, I'm sure there's, and I know, I think there's individual players who it's not, but that's natural and happens on every team. Um, But I think overall, it really should be said that the atmosphere in camp with the players, among the players and Greg deserves credit for 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 that in part, Um, is excellent, actually. And I think Greg has a good relationship, I think, with, with most of the players. So yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think he's, I'm going to run through a brick wall type of relationship with the players, but they respect him. And I think he deserves credit for the fact that the relationship among the players and the overall atmosphere in camp is excellent.
3: Yeah. Will he be the coach for... The World Cup in 2026.
4: That depends on November. I think that that's impossible to answer without knowing how we do this November. I think that if we and that it's not impossible um, that we lose every game in the group in November, I think in that scenario, absolutely yeah. not. Um, and that is a possibility. If we do well in the group, if we make it out of the group, I think that that's like the base level thing that is um, asked of this team. And if we go beyond it, pretty uh, high likelihood that we might see Greg in 2026, I think.
3: Yeah. So just getting back to the 2022 World Cup this, this year, what are your feelings towards a winter World Cup? And in a funny way, could it benefit the U.S. because of the amount of injuries and kind of poor form that we have? in our player group?
4: Well, in terms of the national team, uh, just the timing of it absolutely benefits, of, benefits us because we have lingering questions in key positions and we have time now to figure that out. Also because we have so many injuries and people coming back from injury and it gives them time to get back to form. So I think that it's really fortuitous, just timing wise for the national team. Generally speaking, though, I just am so emotionally attached to a Summer World Cup that I don't personally like the idea of a Winter (laughs) World Cup. So it benefits the national team, but I'm going to give you two answers because I like my big tournaments in the summer. And I don't know if that's just routine, but, um, yeah, the Winter World Cup feels odd.
3: Yeah, especially living in a place that actually gets cold. Yeah. I, I will not feel the same as when I can have the windows open, the sun shining, and watch soccer for nine hours a day.
4: Yeah, I'm a little bit jealous. I mean, um, I'm not entirely sure where I'll be in November, but for you, I assume you'll be in London, and that'll be a really cool place to be during the World Cup. I mean, England, not to turn the interview around, but England (laughs) is a favorite uh, potentially to win the whole thing. So that'll be, regardless of the season, a cool place to be.
3: Yeah, the, the banter at work has already turned up to 11. So uh, it's, it is fun, though, teaching people and educating people about the U.S. team. And it's, it's funny when you start talking through our players and our starting 11 and, and the squad because everyone has heard these players before. Everyone knows that these players like Gio Reyna or even down to like Timothy Weah play on Champions League teams, but people don't really put it together that they're all part of the national team together. When they start, like, you can kind of see the gears turning that, oh, wait, the U.S. has eight or nine Champions League players and they're starting 11. Like, it's not going to be as easy as we thought it would be in 2010, which they also drew us in that game. But yeah. it's, it's fun to, like, see the gears start to turn when they're like, oh, damn, this this isn't going to be a team that rolls over.
4: Yeah, it's a good point, Jake. I mean, I'm, first of all, glad you're representing us well in the banter of the office. But um <laughs> I think that, you know, like I said, I think in November we could see a scenario or I can see a scenario in my head where we lose every game. I can also see a scenario where we're one of the dark horses of the tournament. We have this young team with a young team. I mean, they can really go far. How young was France when they won the whole thing in 2018? I don't think that's necessarily an impediment to the project. I don't think we're going to win the whole thing, but um, we could do really well, I think also. And yeah. uh, really be a dark horse and surprise people.
3: I've been on a few different channels to preview the U.S. World Cup, and I have basically verbatim said what you've said is, like, we could very easily see the U.S. lose all three games. We could very easily see us get seven points or six points and get out of the group. And then at that point, like, we're playing group A, which is the group of life. So, yeah, there's... There's just as much of a chance that we make it into the quarterfinals as it, there is that we bomb out of the group and lose every game. It's it's just kind of like because we have such a young and inconsistent team, if we can find form at the right time, if we can find goals at the right time, that, that spine of our team has been historically strong with the MMA midfield.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot remains to be seen and anything can happen, which makes it hard to predict, but fun.
3: (laughs) Yes, I'm not going to say I'm confident because I'm more confident that we get zero points than uh, getting to the quarterfinals, but it's not out of the question.
4: (laughs) Use that as your base layer and you can only work up. from. Yes,
3: exactly. Exactly. All right, so one last question just about how the U.S. should be setting up and maybe thinking about that getting chemistry for uh, our best players we saw Pulisic play a striker for Chelsea in the FA Cup final this weekend for much of the second half and extra time. Do you think the U.S. needs to experiment with playing our best three attackers and let them float like Liverpool does? So potentially seeing a front three of Brendan Aronson, Gio Reyna, and Christian Pulisic and just allowing them to play interchangeable positions. What are your thoughts on getting our best 11 on the pitch?
4: Absolutely. I'm glad you asked that question, because that is something that I want to see experimented with. There's only so much experimentation I think we should be doing in June. Um, but that is something I think worth considering. And not just Pulisic moving him to that position, but the other player potentially is Tim Weya, who he mm-hmm. himself has said in interviews, he's willing to try that. He, he seems somewhat open to moving into the nine position or, or being up front like that. And I think he could be pretty lethal in that position he's my personal pick for um uh, he, i mean it's not a dark horse to anyone paying attention and he's been one of our biggest um chance creators and finishers i think on the team but i think he's going to have an incredible tournament and he's someone who i ha- i have in my head that could be pretty lethal if we do move him to that upfront position and we have so much depth on the wing there with Brendan Aronson, who were other other people who can play in that position that I think that's worth um, finagling with a bit.
3: Yeah, so wrap us up here then. What is gonna be the other thing that we should experiment with in this June window?
4: Um, goalkeepers, I mean, I there's like a big debate. I mean, outside of formation, I think positionally, I think we really need to, to take a step back and think about, what our depth does look like in the goalkeeper position. I mean, I'm a fan of Matt Turner. I'm also a fan of Zach Steffen, but I think that I'm hoping Greg seemed pretty uh, decided, I think, throughout the latter half of World Cup qualifying that this was the order of, this was the pecking order of our goalkeepers. And, you know, in the community, there was a lot of debate about which position is most dire. What do we need to figure out most? And I think a lot of people are worried about the striker position, but for me, maybe this, you know, speaks to how I I prioritize the game even, but um, I'm more concerned about the goalkeeper first and foremost, followed maybe by the centre-back position and then the striker position. Um, You know, you can eke out draws with a strong back line and goalkeeper position without scoring. But, you know, if we have someone who can score, but our centre-backs are making mistakes, our goalkeeper is out of form, isn't confident. I mean, we could go down by six to a team like England. So I think the goalkeeper position and the center backs really need to be figured out with the priority. And then maybe in terms of formation, the, I'd like to see the creativity in the front.
3: Awesome. Max Swannick, thank you so much for coming back to the channel and joining us. It's always awesome to talk with you. Um, you. How can people find you? And what, what do you have upcoming that uh, you want people to know about? Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Meg underscore Swannek And I did just launch a sub stack, which you can subscribe to. It's the Swan Dive, swandive.substack.com. Um, I'll be there writing about <clears throat> all kinds of things from the men's national team to the women's national team who have a big summer coming up. Um, as well as the club level, MLS and WSL. And then I'm going to be in England this July, invading Jake's location um, for the women's Euros. So that's something I'll be covering on the ground. And I'm really looking forward to that.
3: Awesome. Thank you so much. Everyone go time. follow Meg, subscribe to the Substack, and we'll see you next time on FIFA America. Peace.
2: Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.
3: The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant,
1: high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.
0: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done. Which is music to his ears. Call Clegegranger.com or just stop by Granger for the ones who get it done.